very beautiful, very beautiful. And uh, thank God that each of you are willing to give the gifts and graces that he has given you and share those with our congregation, and not just choir members and choir director, but the accompanists as well. We appreciate you. And JT, we look forward to uh, having you many, many more years as a, as a choir director. I was going to get up and say I'm Sam Hayes, but uh, I don't think I could have pulled that off. Uh, I, I realize how rusty I am by being up here this morning. Uh, I've only uh, filled this pulpit once on Sunday morning uh, since I retired nine years ago, uh, and that was a Sunday when uh, Harvey and Vicki Mann, who was the associate, had to be away the same Sunday. And uh, hey, I'm thankful that you were forgetful and you came today anyway. Uh, I want to take just a minute to share uh, with you uh, some uh, practical things you can do. Of course, we're in a, uh, a period of transition, and it's going to be a very short transition. I'm it. And uh, I didn't say the sermon was going to be very short. I've got about three hours of things I want to say, but don't worry. I boiled it down to two. But I do want to uh, give some practical advice uh, uh, from a kind of a minister standpoint in, in the transition that takes place uh, as a, a minister that is uh, uh, only involved as a, a member of the congregation, not as a member of the clergy. Uh, so I feel free in doing that. And, and one of the things I'd encourage you is, if at all possible, be present at uh, Sam and Andy's first service. Uh, now, for Sam, that will be Thursday night, the Thursday night uh, crew. Uh, worship service will hear Sam this Thursday evening at 5.30. Now, if you want to go uh, to Thursday and then get your reservation in for a, a spot in the congregation on Sunday morning, that'd be great. But, uh, you know, support your new pastors uh, from the very start. Uh, give a good gift. Uh, when uh, Sam and Andy come in and they do uh, several days of unpacking, they're going to be uh, very tired and worn out. Uh, you might want to think about uh, giving a gift of, uh, of a gift card to a restaurant so that they can go out and eat and relax uh, with their families after all the chaos and turmoil that takes place in, in moves. Uh, and if you don't want to give a gift card to uh, restaurants, there is a, uh, a store, at least one in, in Gadsden I know, that has everything but good sermons, and that is Walmart. I mean, you can get anything at Walmart, and they may not need food. They might have lost their toothbrushes uh, in the transition, or uh, they can't find their coffee cup that first morning. Uh, a gift card to Walmart would be would be nice. So you can welcome that them that way. Uh, give them space. Uh, you know, they're going to get into their uh, parsonages and into their offices, and what's the first thing they're going to see? mountains of boxes and those boxes have to be emptied and uh, the contents have to be placed in the proper places in the house and in the office uh, and it you know realize this may not be the best time to come in and have a two-hour conversation to try to get to know them uh, there'll be time for that uh, but give them a, a little space uh, until they you know feel uh, 
a little bit like uh, most of the boxes or some of the boxes are empty. Take the initiative. Next Sunday morning, the church is providing an opportunity to meet your new pastors and their families uh, with a, uh, a reception, uh, 10 o'clock in the uh, lobby of the Chestnut Street lobby. So, uh, uh, you know, and then uh, later on, there'll be time for you to invite them to go out to uh, drink a cup of coffee with you or whatever. This is important. Resist quick judgments. Now, y'all can judge me this morning because uh, I've been here a year or two. And, uh, but, you know, next Sunday, next Thursday night, next Sunday, uh, these uh, people are going to be stressed, tired, nervous, uncertain, worried. And uh, so, you know, don't judge the new pastors by their first sermon or their first interaction with the congregation uh, they may be a little bit uptight to me the first Sunday was always the worst uh, and then I tried to make note of those who came back the second Sunday but uh, but the first Sundays were the worst because everything is new and different for them and and they want to uh, to serve and and to be successful in their ministry so uh, you know cut them a little slack uh, first impressions are not always the best, are always fair. Uh, expect the best, though. I mean, they're coming with uh, new ideas, with new gifts and graces. Uh, it's a whole new season in ministry about to take place. Uh, and the question is, what, not what are they going to do for us. The question is, what gifts do I have that I can give to the success of their ministry here? Uh, so in everything, let's give God the glory through Jesus Christ and all will be well. I, I know that most of you, all of you actually will do all of those things, but you know us ministers, we've got to have something to say, uh, whether it needs saying or not sometimes. So, but I'm, I do uh, hope that you'll take uh, these to heart and, and uh, we'll welcome uh, Sam and Tammy and, and uh, Andy and Jen, uh, Jennifer and their families uh, with open hearts and open arms. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you and to you alone, O God. Amen. Question. Uh, who fixes the coffee around here in the church? It's in the Bible. Yep. Yeah, the answer's in the Bible. And it says... He brews. Now, I know that's, that joke was so terrible. You're going to have nightmares about it. But uh, the reason I bring up he brews is because that's where I went to find my text uh, for what I want to say this morning. The seventh chapter of he brews and the twelfth verse. For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. Which really goes back to uh, say what we said in 2 Corinthians. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. It's still hard for me to imagine the Israelites, the Hebrew people, wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years 
that just seems phenomenal. Someone has said, well, the reason it was 40 years is because Moses was a man and he refused to stop and ask directions. 40 years. Now, can't you hear the people just saying, well, we know where we're going. I mean, we've been across this same desert land before. We have wandered in, the, in this wilderness for 40 years. We have been down this same pathway time and time and time again. We know what's going to happen. We know where we're going. And what they're saying is a phrase that just causes us ministers to shudder. They're saying, hey, we've always done it this way. We have always done it this way. Well, there was a man who had serious health problems for a long time, 38 years to be exact. And when uh, Jesus walked into his life one day, what does this man have to say for himself? Well, he has a multitude of excuses of why he hasn't been made whole up to this point. The truth is he was doing the same old thing that he had always done. He'd wait for the angel to stir the water so that he might be healed. But there were many others there as well, and they always seemed, someone always seemed to beat him into the water. The, 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 the tradition was the first one in the water after the pool was stirred would be made whole, would be made well. And he never made it. Someone always beat him. Day in and day out, this man did the same thing and never changed. And he never would find his, well, uh, his wellness or his healing until the day Jesus came and Jesus said, Hey, do you wish to be made well? And the man said, Well, you know, I've been coming here for 38 years and, and the water gets stirred and, and I get up and I try to make it to the pool to be the first and someone always beats me. Don't we have excuses? Do you know a million excuses? I think I do. I know a million excuses. He wanted to be well, but for whatever reason, he just couldn't do what was necessary to get well. He needed someone to put him in the water. His excuse really was, I've always done it this way, Jesus. Well, maybe some of us are much more like that man than we would want to confess making meager efforts and becoming satisfied with no results I've always done it this way this way and Jesus comes along and comes into his life and he wants to do something new have you ever thought about it that every time Jesus comes into our life to talk to us about our relationship with him. He wants to do something new. Jesus said, hey, you've heard that you're supposed to hate your enemies. But I have something new I want you to do. I want you to love your enemies. What? What, all these years I've been hating my enemies. I feel comfortable with that. I've always done it that way. And Jesus says, but I want to do something new. You think about Jesus' encounter with all the individuals in the Bible, in the New Testament, 
in the Gospels, he's always wanting to do something new. And those people like us are very prone to offer excuses and to, to in one way or another say, but Jesus, I've always done it this way. Jesus says, though, not this time. We're going to take a different path than the one we've been on before. You have not passed this way. You haven't gone through this way before. Many times in life you will be just a few steps away from a breakthrough to God's best in you. But how many times have you stepped out to receive it? You've been content with doing it the way you've always done it. And what has it got you? What happens when you turn your back on the same old things you've done year after year after year? Well, if you continue to do those things that you've always done that way, nothing changes. Not a thing. You just go around in circles. You want to get somewhere, you don't get anywhere by going around in circles. If you have a destination of, of who you want to be and, and how to achieve it, you don't get that, that uh, direction or achieve that goal by walking around in circles. Yes, instead of going to a new level, the next level in our relationship to God, we say, well, I've always done it that way. We've always done it that way. And we... We kind of like going around in circles. I mean, the Israelites were saying, hey, we go around in circles. Hey, but we know the land. We know the path. We know what's there. Jesus, in the life of the disciples, came along and said, oh, but I want to do something new. I want us to, to take a different direction. I want us to, to focus on who we want to be and what kind of people we want to be and what kind of church we want to be and I want us to move in that direction and you're not going to get there by going around in circles. God has so much more in store for us than we can even imagine. And I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about the individuals that make up the church. Sure, the church is made up of individuals, but the church is more than individuals. It is the body of Christ in this place at Gadsden First. Wow, that's an awesome responsibility. That's an awesome joy to fulfill. The body of Christ at Gadsden First United Methodist Church. That staggers my mind. And Sam and Andy, as they come, who knows? They might lead us in new directions, in different directions. I mean, after all, Sam and Andy are going to be two unique individuals whom God has blessed with unique gifts and graces. And they're not like any other pastor before. They will not be like any other pastor to come. They are unique, and God has given them the gifts and graces that are unique only to them.
hey, all of us are kind of like fingerprints. They say that no two fingerprints are alike. You know, and I, as I think about that, I, 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 that staggers my mind, that my fingerprints are not like not only anybody, the billions of people that live in this world, but the billions of people who have lived before or the billions of people that may come. Those are unique. I don't know what I'm going to do about that, but uh, it, it says something to me. It says, there's not going to ever be another person like me. And some people will say, thank God. <laughs> but it says that God in, has created in me his image that is unique only to me. He has created in you his image that is only unique to you. He has blessed you with gifts and graces that nobody else has in its fullness except you. And Sam and Andy and their families are the same. God has given them those gifts. They are God-given. God called them. And, hey, I'm even naive enough to think that, hey, through the cabinet, God sent them here. Sometimes I wondered about God sending me to some places, but not here. You know, it's all too tempting for us to want to remain the same because, hey, we're most comfortable in that, aren't we? We do the same things over and over. We have the same thought patterns. We have the same, we behave the same because that's comfortable to us. And if somebody comes along and, and calls us out and wants us to do something different, calls us out of our comfort zone, uh, I'll, I'll be quite honest. I feel, uh, I, I feel sometimes very hesitant. Hey, sometimes I'm quite afraid. But you know what I've discovered? And it's been, uh, not been so easy many times. I've discovered that when I encounter people with a different spirit, with a different thought, with a different commitment, with a different relationship to God than I have, I grow the most. I don't grow very much, if any at all, if someone was just exactly like me, believe like me, thought like me, behave like me. But when someone is different, and God uses them to come into my life to challenge me, then ultimately I become a better person. Yes, it's all too, empty, uh, too tempting to want to remain the same because we remember just how uncomfortable it may be to follow Christ. We forget that following Christ means sacrifices. It means self-examination. It means being honest with ourselves. And that can be terrifying. Well, after a while, after 40 years, the Israelites took a new path out of the wilderness. 
after 38 years, the man took a new path out of his ill health. They found a new perspective. Sometimes Jesus comes into our lives and he says, you want to be one of my followers? It's quite simple, you know. Just get up and follow. I'm amazed at those disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee when Jesus walked into their lives and said, hey, drop your nets. I want you to follow me. <laughs> and they did. They did. And they were never the same. They found new life. They found purpose for living. They found hope. They found God's presence in their pain. They found God. For when there is a change in the priesthood, as is taking place here, there is necessarily a change in the law. To modernize it a little, it's saying, for when there is a change in ministers, there is necessarily a change in the way we do things as well. And this applies to us here at this time in our church history. We can accept and benefit from this for the sake of Christ's church. In other words, uh, to kind of paraphrase a phrase that uh, we heard for the last six years, uh, we need to keep on moving on not in circles, but in a direction. Not holding on to the past, but opening our arms to the future. Not, not saying, well, this is the way we've always done it, but listening to God through his servant say, but there's a new way. There's a new way. So let us pray for Harvey and Lana and their family as they go to a new ministry and a new place. But also let us pray even more fervently for Sam and Tammy and Andy and Jennifer and their families as they come here to lead us. May we receive them with open hearts and open minds and open spirits that they might lead us to be the body of Christ in all of its fullness here at Gadsden First United Methodist Church. We have a rich and productive heritage here. It's one of service, faith, worship, and fellowship. We need to allow God to continue to lead us through the ministry of Sam and Andy to new and even more promising horizons 
so that we can be faithful to God. We must give Sam and Andy and their families our loyalty because we declare to them we will keep on moving on. Guide us. Lead us. As we close this service this morning, I would like to uh, do something just a little bit differently. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, that as best we can that we come around the altar and we join hands and we have a prayer for Sam and Andy and for our church. And if you uh, can't come to the altar, that's fine. Just join hands with somebody uh, where you are and uh, we'll have our, our prayer before we have our closing hymn. don't have to form a circle. We're not going to make this too complicated for me. <laughs> just, just join hands. Okay. Or if you can't get to down here, just join hands in the aisle, wherever you are. Okay, let us pray. It is with great joy, O oh God, that uh, we are transitioning uh, because we have great expectations expectations that you will lead, guide Sam and Andy, the expectation that we will give ourselves to that service and that somehow, some way, in glorious ways, your kingdom might be more brilliant, more uh, reflected in the way that we live and treat each other and those beyond the church. May your spirit guide Sam and Andy and their families as they come to be a part of our church family and as they come to lead us. For all the gifts and graces you have given them, we are most grateful. Now open our hearts and minds that we might be loyal to, to you and faithful followers of Jesus the Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.